Let's jump into our sermon this morning. We're continuing our series on Let's Eat. I'm excited about this one. It's going to be really good. If you have your Bible, turn to John chapter 6 this morning. John chapter 6. And we're going to start in verse 1. It says this, Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee. That is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Okay, so here's what's happening. Jesus is now starting to get a reputation. The word is out on Jesus, okay? The word is out. People are starting to hear that this guy, Jesus, is doing some amazing things and they want to go see what this is all about. And when I think about this, about the word getting out uh, about Jesus, I think about living at the beach, all right, I've lived at the beach my entire life. Any like full on life or beach residents here? Okay, a few of us. If you've lived at the beach your whole life, you know what I'm talking about. And even if you've lived here for just a while, then you probably know. First, real quick, before we keep going, is it hot in here? Yeah. Yes? Okay, can we turn the air down, please? Thank you, sir. Uh, wow, it's, don't you love Florida? It is late November and we're talking about being hot in church. Praise God uh, for that. So the word has gotten out. And this is what it reminds me of. If you lived at the beach, you know what I'm talking about. A new restaurant opens. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what type of food it is. But a new restaurant at the beach has opened. And word gets out when it happens. And everybody at the beach suddenly has to go to that restaurant at the exact same time, right? I remember, it wasn't too long ago, Bearded Pig opened down in South Jack's Beach. Y'all remember that? Like there's one 30 minutes away, but people at the beach ain't trying to drive 30 minutes to go out to dinner, right? It's better be five minutes or less. And so, that's right, over the ditch. And so, um, man, a lot of interaction going on today. What's, what's gotten into y'all? Yeah, all right. The Ferrellis are back at church. I think we can tell. But that first like week or month, you could, it was like a 45 minute wait for like some pulled pork because it was a new restaurant on the beach word had gotten out. The thing about it is if you wait long enough, if you've been here long enough, you know that eventually that's going to die out and you, you just wait a couple months and there'll be another restaurant or just the whatever is going to happen. People go back to their normal lives and then you can go and not have to wait two hours for the new place at the beach. And that's what's happened with Jesus here, except here's the difference. As Jesus's popularity grows, there isn't that two month waiting period where it dies out. The word that has gotten out on Jesus continues to grow and grow and escalate and crescendo all the way until the cross. And so word has gotten out on him and people are flocking to Jesus. They are flocking to him. And what do they see when they encounter him? Here's what they see, y'all. Miracles. If you are taking notes this morning, write that down. They saw miracles. And the disciples themselves, they got, they got front row seats to see these miracles. These people are seeing, I mean, though we aren't, weren't there and seeing in the flesh, we have the luxury of being able to open our Bibles whenever we want, because we live in a country that allows us to do so, and read about these miracles over and over and over and over again, as many times as we need. We get to hear and read about these miracles that Jesus performs. And I, want, I just want to say this. If we are following Jesus and we are not leaning on the power of miracles that he can perform in our lives, then what in the world are we doing? 
Who are we following and why? If we believe that Jesus is not a miracle working God, and I'm not saying that so that we can approach God and get everything that we want. I'm saying that so that we can approach God and follow God without fear. Because if we're following Jesus, we are going against the grain. And when you go against the grain, not believing that God can do miracles in your life, you are going to live in fear. Because it's scary to go against the grain, absent of the power of God. Because it's the minority. But here's the thing. When we walk with the understanding that God is a miracle-working God and we go against the grain, it ain't scary. It's awesome. It's awesome. I love going against the grain now. And, and part of me, I have to wonder, is a little bit of pride, you know, a little bit of arrogance towards like everybody else because everybody else thinks that they know what they're doing. Well, I'm going against the grain because I know what I got. I got a miracle working God, Amen. you know? And there's kind of just that, you know what I mean? It's not, it's not like a worldly pride, but I like it. I like it. And we all should like it because God is a miracle working God. Yeah. Verse three. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Do you think that Jesus ever doesn't know what he's going to do? Do you think this is just one instance that we read about where Jesus is like, hey, I'm having a good day. I think I actually know what I'm going to do today. Or was this all the time? Well, don't take my word for it. Let's take the Lord's word for it and read about what he has to say about this in his word. Ephesians 1, 4 through 6. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight and love. He predestined us for the adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Jeremiah 29, 11 and 12. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. Isaiah 46, 9 and 10. Remember the former things, though, those of long ago. I'm going to say that part again. Remember the former things, those of long ago. For us, that means get in the word. It says, I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is no one like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. Does this sound like a God who uh, things take him, you know, whoa, by surprise? No, he knows. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows it all. He's not caught off guard when a multitude comes and they are hungry. He is not caught off guard by anything that you are walking through in your life. He knows. He knows what he is going to do. God is incredibly smart and he's great at being God. He's perfect at it. Verse 7. Philip answered him, It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one of us to have a bite. 
Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Okay, let's just pause real quick here. And let's state the obvious, okay? And that is this. The provision, all right, the two fish and the five loaves, the provision that was given was not enough for the need. Okay, I'm going to say that again. The provision was not enough for the need. The provision was the boy's lunch. The need was 5,000 hungry men. It's not enough, right? And so the reaction could have been, what am I supposed to do with this? This isn't nearly enough. I need more. Sound familiar? Church? Does that sound familiar? Or are we all just a bunch of liars this morning? Okay. <laughs> Whether it's financially or whatever else, there has been times in our life and maybe right now where you are at this morning, where you are saying, what I've been given isn't enough. The need is too great. That's been me the last year and a half or so. God, you want me to pastor it? What? I'm two fish and five loaves. I can't do this. It's not enough. You want me to give above and beyond? I can barely pay my bills. I don't have enough. You want me to talk to my friend or my family? I don't, I don't know enough Bible verses. I don't have enough. And we can just go on and on and on and on and on and on and on. Telling the Lord over and over that my two fish and my five loaves aren't enough for the need. And we don't take it. And we dismiss it and we forget that we serve a miracle working God. And we forget the stories. We forget that word is out on Jesus. And we focus only on that little bit instead of who gave us that little bit. It's not enough. Listen to what Paul says in Philippians 4, verses 15 through 19. Says, Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia... Not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. God will meet your needs. He will meet your needs. And I'm just going to just go off here for a second because I was reading this. This kind of dawned on me this morning as I was going over my notes. I believe y'all, I believe that Beach's Chapel is one of God's versions of two fish and five loaves. I believe, and I'm speaking this out over us right now as a church, that we are that lunch that is going to reach a multitude. And it's not about how fancy anything is here or how done up we all are, but we're a lunch that God is going to use if we are willing, if we believe in him, in trust in him, he is going to feed the multitudes with Beaches Chapel. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. To reach the beaches 
to reach beyond all across this world if we believe in him, if we believe that he's a miracle-working God. I believe it, y'all. I believe it. I, I wouldn't be up here. I wouldn't be up here otherwise. So the need was too great for the provision that was given. And here's what Jesus says in verse 10. He says, have the people sit down. I love that. Right off the bat, I just love that. It's like, y'all just take a load off. So you just watch. I'm sure y'all are all freaking out. Everyone's hungry. Just sit down. Just down for a second. So there was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. We don't know how many other people, but 5,000 men. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. Did you catch that? What Jesus did there? He doesn't sit down, and then it says this, and this to me is almost more profound than the miracle itself. In verse 12, it said, uh, sorry, verse 11, it says, Jesus then took the loaves, and here's what I want to hammer home this morning. He gave thanks. He gave thanks. So there's all these people, all these people that are hungry, that are there for him to do something, and he's handed this little bit, this little bit, and he doesn't say, what are you even bringing this to me for? This isn't enough. He doesn't complain about all that he doesn't have. He doesn't worry about what's going to happen. He doesn't get anxious or stress out or whatever it might be. Y'all know where I'm going, right? He gives thanks. The reason that Jesus gives thanks here is because what we've already discussed. He knows that God is a miracle working God and that he knows what he's going to do. And so because of that understanding, he's able to give thanks for what seems like a little bit. And you know, this week is Thanksgiving week. And a lot of times we gather around with our family, we gather around with friends or whomever, and we sit around the table. And one of the last things that we do is talk about the things that we're thankful for. Instead, we either argue or we complain what we don't have or this or that or whatever. And Jesus, in this moment of two fish, and five loaves for 5,000 men. The very first thing that he does is say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for this. And thank you for what you're about to do. That what you're about to do is going to be talked about for thousands of years. He gave thanks. Then it goes on to say in verse 12, when they all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. The Bible doesn't say that the 12 baskets were filled with the loaves and the fish. That could have been possible. But what it definitely does say is that there were 12 basketfuls filled with bread. Right, 12. 12 disciples, 12 tribes. You think Jesus is sending a message here? There are 12 basketfuls left over of bread and it says that after everyone was full, all right? So there was a buffet. There was a free lunch going on, all right? A buffet of fish and bread. And people, I'm telling y'all, people are people today just like they were back then. And they were probably going back for seconds, going back for thirds. Honey, put some in your purse. We got dinner tonight covered. They're loading up. I guarantee you they were. We would, right? Honey, free lunch. <clears throat> Bring the Tupperware. 
And you know what Jesus does? Take it. Take as much as you want. Take it. Free groceries for the day. Everybody done? Everybody got their leftovers? Count the baskets. Twelve. And we're going to put a pin in that little bit, though, that bread that's in the basket. We'll come back to it. Here's where it gets really fun. In John chapter 6, as we continue on in the chapter, later on, though, it says in verse 25, this is the next day, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, Listen to this, y'all. I'm going to repeat that question. What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus' answer is this. The work of God is this. To believe in the one he has sent. What do we do, Lord? What do we do? What's the work? What, what do you want us to do? I want you to believe. Simple. Believe in me. Not just on Sunday mornings, during worship, during the sermon, but believe in me always. Believe in me when that unexpected phone call comes, when that bill that you weren't expecting comes, when your marriage is falling apart, when you don't know what's going on with your kids. Believe in me. Believe in me. That is the work of the Lord. That is what he is telling them to do. And here's, here's where things get really fun. This right here is us in a nutshell, and it really just shows how stupid we can be, if I'm being totally honest. Because he says to believe in the one who has sent me, and their reply is this, those talking with Jesus. He says in verse 30, So they asked him, What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you. What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heavens to eat. All right, y'all. Praise the living God that I am not Jesus. Because if I was, it's game over at this point, all right? Goodbye, perfect life, spotless lamb, sacrifice, okay? Because if I'm Jesus and I'm in his shoes right now, at the very least, the best reaction that I can give them is to say some serious cuss words at them, y'all. Like, I'm going to lose my mind. Remember, John 6 talks about that, that they had seen Jesus healing. The word had gotten out, so they came. So they had already seen him healing people. Now they had seen him feed 5,000 people, and they have the audacity to say, what you going to do? What you going to do, Jesus, to show us? Give us a sign. I don't know how Jesus Jesus. Because we are so stupid sometimes. All of us. Because we can sit here and laugh at them, but y'all, we are them. Listen, if we're trying to sit here and pretend like we're not them, we are them. We have the Bible in our house all the time, and we worry constantly. When all we have to do is open the, open the word and go, oh, that's right. Jesus is God. He's on the throne. He loves me. 
But instead we say, Jesus, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Show me a sign. Like, really? Oh, my gosh. He is so patient with us. My Lord, is he patient with us. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Verse 32, Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. (laughs) Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me Listen, are y'all listening here? We'll never go hungry. And whoever believes in me, in other words, whoever does the work of the Father, will never be thirsty. That's it. That's it. And I love that question, they, or what they say to him. Give us this bread. Give us this bread you're talking about. You know what Jesus does, y'all? He gives it to us. Every single day. He gives us himself. And remember that part of the story, the 12 basketfuls that were left over of bread? That's all well and good. But the bread of life, Jesus, I'm sorry, 12 baskets cannot cover it. It's going to overflow a lot more than 12 baskets. The bread of life of Jesus far outweighs any natural bread that we can eat. I don't care how many baskets there are. And as we do the work of God, as we believe in him, as we remember that he is a miracle working God and that he always knows what he is going to do, we will never go hungry and we will never go thirsty. He will take care of us in every season and in every situation. Will life be hard? Absolutely. Will he provide for us? Absolutely. That is the God that we serve. Hallelujah, indeed. I'm the band come back up, and we're going to wrap it up this morning. Just a couple more thoughts. I'm going to read Psalms 100, all of the chapter. It says, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture, enter his gates with thanksgiving, in his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. We enter his gates with thanksgiving, y'all. It begins with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a weapon against the enemy. But in order for us to truly sit at the table with Jesus and be at peace with him and dine with him and eat with him, we have to know who he is. And he is a miracle-working God that always knows what he is going to do. He is God. He's God. All right? He is God. And so I just want us, if you, if you don't, Well, hopefully you remember more than one thing this morning. But I do want you to always consider this. Jesus, with a crowd of 5,000 plus people, gave thanks for five loaves and two fish. This is not a vacation Bible school story. This is real. And so if you 
are saying about yourself, especially, not, a, not about whatever you might have in the bank or not, but about yourself, that you aren't enough. Like Ben said earlier, you're, you're, you feel too far gone. That you don't measure up to whatever standard that you think Jesus wants from you. And that there's this need or this call or whatever it might be that Jesus is pulling on your heart to say, come on, let's go, follow me. And you're holding back because you think for some reason that you're not enough. That is wrong. That is so wrong. And that is the enemy trying to tell you that so that you won't follow Jesus and have your life changed forever. But we need to stop looking in the mirror and listening to all these other things that tell us that we don't have enough for the need and understand that we serve a God who does every single time. So let's stand up this morning. We're going to close in worship. But I want to ask you this question. And I want you to be very honest with yourself and look back on maybe the last few days, maybe the last few months or even the last few years and how you've been walking in your own life. whatever challenges you might be facing, whatever the need might be, are you doing the work of the Lord? Do you really believe? Or are you looking at the provision and saying, God, it's just not enough. It's not enough. For those this morning talked about earlier that you haven't received Jesus you feel like your need for a savior is too much I'm telling you right now what he did for you was more than enough he died on the cross for you so that the need of a savior would be fulfilled so that you would never have to feel like it's up to you or you're too much. You're not too far gone. You are not. He is calling you. He is beckoning you to come to him. And you can take this moment right here, right where you're at, right where you're standing, wherever you're watching at home, and believe in him. Believe in him that he's calling you. And all you have to do is say, Lord, I believe. I believe that you're enough. And for those of us that may have forgotten that, that, that have accepted Jesus as our Savior, well, you've started to take that burden on yourself and you've forgotten that he is a miracle-working God. You might say it with your mouth, but your actions say otherwise. It's time to return back to him. Turn our eyes and our hearts back to him and say, that's right, God. I believe in you. I'm going to start doing the work of the Father, and I believe. Father, I pray right now, Jesus, for all of us in here, Lord, that have forgotten. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us when we ask for another sign, when all we have to do is look at our own life and see where you've taken us, see where you've brought us out from, see who we are now versus who we were even just a year ago. That our life, when we, when we follow you, God, it is riddled with signs. We don't even have to open the word. We can just look at you, Father, and what you've done in our lives, and that's enough. God, I want to pray for those that are struggling financially and are saying, I don't have enough. God, I pray that you would provide for them in Jesus' name. God, bring the money in for those that need it. 
right now in Jesus' name. From all different directions and sources, God, that they would laugh at your provision. Father, for those that are doubting themselves and whether it's, I feel like it's talent and ability, God, that there's that, that spirit of just self-loathing over some of us in here, God, that we just feel like a loser. God, we feel like we don't have anything to offer anyone. God, for whomever that might be this morning, I just speak right now in Jesus' name that that attack would end and that they would know that you created them and that, you are, that they are more than enough, that they're gonna do amazing things. God, I just speak against the enemy with that voice in Jesus' name and I pray that you would silence it right now, Father, that no one would walk here thinking that but they are beautifully and wonderfully made. Hallelujah. And for those that have been just kind of standing at that line, saying, I, I want to believe, I want to receive, I, I'm, I'm almost there, but for whatever reason, can't take that step, that this would be the hour, that they would have courage to just, with their mouths, open up their hearts and say, Lord, I believe. Forgive me. love you, Lord. We thank you that you are a miracle-working God. We thank you that you always know what you are going to do, and that we can sit at your table with those two truths and be truly thankful for who you are in our lives. We bless you this morning, Lord, and we praise you. Let's worship you.